Hey, Tyson here. We got Andrew Greif from the LA Times coming up here shortly. Just wanted to give a quick heads up for subscribers of the i5 Corridor that on Thursday, we are going to have a subscribers only podcast with Corey Brock of The Athletic. We're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners, beers, and just what it's like um, covering a team that's actually relevant in September for a change. Um, and then for readers of the I-5 Corridor, I have a piece coming out probably later Thursday, maybe Friday, um, kind of diving deep into uh, the Portland State football situation. I, I went to the game with uh, Bruce Barnum buying, buying beer for 2,000 plus fans on Saturday and uh, followed up with them this week and just kind of diving into what makes that one of the toughest jobs in college football. So that's for subscribers this week on the I-5 Corridor. Uh, but let's get right to it with uh, Andrew Greif, my former beat partner. Now a big shot with the LA Times. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by Tyson Alger and Aiden Schneider. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. The, that's the only thing that's gotten better since you left is uh, my uh, my my podcast intro music has gotten a little bit more professional. But <laughs> um, sh- shout out John Budnick Band, my, my buddy from Alaska. But anyways, I-5 Corridor Podcast, Tyson Alger here, joined by Aiden Schneider. And we have a really special guest today. It's Andrew Greif from the Los Angeles Times. And man, that sounds so fun to say. My boy's grown up, uh, f- former former beat partner at the Oregonian on the Oregon Ducks beat. He's uh, uh, North Bend, born and raised Coos Bay, the pride of Coos Bay. Andrew, I don't know why you agreed to do this. Your, your platform's so much better than this, but thanks for joining us. Well, we don't really have a podcast platform that much that, uh, down here. So I, I, you know, I have to, I have to return your call and your text when you invited me to say yes, because, uh, or where else am I going to talk about Oregon Ducks football stories that have a very small audience in 2015? <laughs> what, what's funny is my, so my, my first year covering the beat was 2014, which was your second year with the Oregonian, uh, which was Aiden's first year kicking as well. So we, we have a nice little, uh, you know, if anyone wants like a like a real deep dive on like week three of like 2015, like this is the trio to come. Uh, actually, who would have that been week three? 20, that was a week after at Michigan State. Yeah. Vernon broke his. Th- oh, nope. Utah is when you guys got smoked by oh. Utah. Oh, sorry. 25th. Oh, yeah, that was. Let's yeah. let's pick a different week. That was a bad choice. <laughs> Or no, 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 no. You guys had you guys had one one game in between that where Lockie looked pretty good. Georgia uh, State. George, yeah, that was it. Ah, that's right. That was the one. I've still never seen a better executed play than Utah's punt in that game against you guys. And I, I, I know that was that was nuts. <laughs> that was like <laughs> I just remember Tom Osborne after the game. Normally he'll have you know some sort of explanation. He's like, you know, we just got to execute better. He just. He just threw his hands up. He was like, they got me. I don't, I don't know what else to say. They got me. That's on me. That's funny That's because funny. I was just about to bring up Tom Osborne like that a couple of days later when we, when we talked to him, you know, outside the Oregon facility, um, you know, we hadn't heard what you said to the players, but like we asked him the same thing, like what? And he was like, again, just like, Hey, that was one of the best executed plays I've ever seen. And I've been this for a long time. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he basically was like, look, they got us. And it was like so refreshing <laughs> that there was no, it was just like, yeah, you have to credit them. They, they absolutely snookered everybody. Man, I spend a, uh, just, just, this is completely off topic, but I, I spent 
uh, two hours this morning out at Portland State's campus and doing like the follow up to uh, um, seeing how Bruce Barnum's uh, bank account is doing following uh, buying everyone beers on Saturday. And uh, I, I sent them an e- I, I sent Mike Lund their SID email on like Sunday, just being like, hey, like, is there any chance that I can get like Bruce this week? And he, he was like, you can literally get Bruce like anytime you want just come down here. And so I went down to park blocks for, to watch practice this morning. And uh, there's so much going wrong at that school for that program. Like you can beginning with the fact that they play all of Portland state plays all its, all of its games in Hillsboro, but they have a gorgeous practice field and being able to like watch them. Like it's, it's a perfect Portland fall day today. And like, that's just, it was so nice watching two hours of practice and then like just go grabbing Barney and then him just basically like, telling me anything that I wanted to, <laughs> like, like it'll, it'll be, it'll be a story later this week, but like, man, like that guy for, for someone that's been a, uh, an NCAA division one coach for seven years in the fact that like, you still have to like, at times be like, Barney, you can't tell me that. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like come on, Bruce. <laughs> we used to live as Tyson knows, uh, when we moved to Portland, my wife and I, we lived like two blocks up from that, uh, from that practice field. And so we'd walk through uh, up there all the time on our way back from work from the Oregonian down on the water on clay and I guess NATO. We'd walk, that was our whole way home. And I loved walking through there, especially during spring ball. Uh, that was my favorite time of spring ball. It wasn't actually covering it. It was watching Portland State kind of run off the field. But uh, Dude, and, the, and there's some, yeah. there's some hotels and buildings up like around there where like I was telling, because basically their dream is to take their practice field, which which runs east to west right now and and they have the property to basically like flip that around and have it go north south like basically bruce's dream is to like flip that around and to build uh like a almost like a hawaii's new field style of like very compact small field there and if they were ever able to do that and like they're nowhere close to being able to do that i mean like they they have an interim athletic director they, they have they're fighting so much stuff uphill but it would be one of the coolest viewing experiences in college football because there's hotels and buildings that just kind of like border that and that have like a natural, excuse me, just like overlook into it. And it, it would it would be a really cool venue. But, man, they just they got to get the ball rolling first and it, it's, it's going to be awfully hard for them. Yeah, it was hey, fun. When I- you sub- yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. Tyson. Oh, I was just going to say uh, uh, Andrew and I used to play. Uh, we used to sneak into the the tennis Portland state's tennis facility and, and get a couple games in up at the rooftops there on the rooftop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder, I know you're probably asking me questions on this format, but no, this makes Tyson, it easier. So Tyson and I famously, we had such an early deadline for um, the national championship game in 2015, January that we never actually made it down to the locker rooms after that game. I know I don't want to bring up that game post game, but I want to, I want to, I just wanted to ask you, cause I never really talked to anyone about this, you know, cause we never talked in the locker room. I'm so curious what it was like, cause I was on the field pregame with Tyson, just kind of, you're taking in the scene, you're getting the feel for it. What was it like as a player to walk into that setting for, you know, at the start of the game where you walk, I know you had the specialists are out there for warmups, but when you really come out officially as a team, I never have heard that from anyone. Like, what was that like? pregame when you think oh my gosh we're you know 60 minutes away from a championship uh it's a it's just a crazy rush like and i think i have a little bit of a different perspective because i'm at that point like not even used to playing football games 
So that, let alone playing in the national championship, it's it's almost like this kind of overwhelming feeling if you stop for too long and think about it. So you're trying to kind of to try to stay busy and 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 not stop and and think for too long. But it was an insane opportunity. I remember the year prior, I was sitting on my couch watching the national championship, thinking I was probably going to play D three soccer, and in one calendar year to go from that to, to starting in that game was, was just absolutely wild. Yeah. No, I just, it's a moment that I, I regret that we never got to really fully capture because of the processes of a newspaper, a daily newspaper. But uh, it, yeah, I've always wondered about what it must be like to walk in. there. Did, uh, did Mark give any like, or did Helfrich give any like sort of like big rah-rah speech or like, like what was their, uh, like how did they kind of handle the pregame for that? Uh, memory is a little fuzzy, but I don't ever really remember him making any sort of speech. And I think that kind of goes along with his personality. Like he's that very even keeled guy. Like, you know, we've, we've been here before, not literally with the national championship, but like, you know, it's just, just another week, another opponent, take care of business, do what we do. Um, and I I, say that, I think, I think it would have been pretty cool for him to, give like a rah-rah speech, but I, I just don't think that's in his DNA really. I, 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 I don't mean to interject, but like, have either of you two, uh, I mean, and Greif, maybe like you've uh, like heard some stuff, like, you know, since your time on the Clippers beat, but like, have either of you two like actually been around a team that like had like a hell of a halftime speech <laughs> or like, like just, just been in a scenario where, I mean, like, like Greif, you're, you're uh, it's, it's 2005. You're about to go for the long jump state title. Like, like who's who's breaking you down there? Well, there's no. I hate to break to you, Tyson. There's no halftime speeches in a long jump competition. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, after three jumps, I don't. I don't go under the stands and get some water. Uh, yeah, I. That's I'm not how this. Of, that's not how the. You know, granted, uh, maybe that's why my track coverage has been lacking. In a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things. Now, this doesn't pertain to halftime speeches, obviously, or post game, but. Um, but I think one of the things I think is most interesting because now that we were, at least we used to be in locker rooms, it's not happening immediately right now in the NBA this year because of COVID. Maybe that changes, but having been in locker rooms, you know, before that for parts of three seasons, I always thought it was interesting to learn that really like coaches treat the locker room, at least in the NBA, like it's, Hey, that's not my territory. You know, hmm. that's the players. They have, they have, a, they have a separate coach's office off the side, home or away. And, you know, they, they, they gather in there and they talk with their coaches in there, but there's really not a whole lot of like, you know, walking around the locker room, tapping guys on the knee. Hey, how you doing today? They, they keep it a pretty professional space for the players themselves. And that's maybe, maybe that's just something that um, the wider public doesn't know. I certainly didn't realize it was quite like that, but it's, it's considered a pretty sacred space pregame. Aiden, you want to ask? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I was I was just going to expand on that and say um, it's definitely like that to a point like it was in the Oregon locker room and then with Helfrich and then when Taggart came in there was like a little more rah-rah pregame and and then like players whole staff included would lose their minds when we won like <laughs> it, it was just it was something else um, which was super funny to see but I would imagine Cristobal gives a mean pump up speech. I didn't get to have him as a head coach for too long, but that guy is fiery and there, he has so much passion. There, there, there's no way that 
just with everything that that guy carries himself with that he doesn't have a, a, a pregame speech at least like I mean, at least like a pregame fist pump or, or, or maybe like a, a, a wall to run through like the Kool-Aid man or something. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but you got to use those moments judiciously too. You know, you got to, as a coach, you can't just spend them. You know, you got to, you got to really dole those out carefully. So, uh, but yeah, I would, I would have to think that, that Mario would have something like that in his bag. Uh, so, and I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear that Willie would, you know, would have that sort of, that, that desire to do that more than a Hellfrich would just for personality wise. Did, uh, did your, did your and uh, Willie's time overlap at all, Andrew? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> all right. So you know, Aiden texted me beforehand. He's like, I, w- I want to ask Greif about, uh, you know, the, the getting frozen out by Taggart thing. So, so this is, this is the platform for it. You know, let's, but we, we we've kind of teased for a couple of weeks that at some point we'll we'll deep dive the Taggart era. But uh, you know, let's 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 open up the uh, open up the tomb a little bit here. Aiden, do you want to lead us out here? All right. So this is I have to say this is something I've been wondering about for years. So I just wanted to to get a little bit of your side of the story um, from <laughs> the Taggart beef, which was obviously not something that I experienced very much being inside the program, but I do want to preface this by saying when the initial article came out, I, I called my mom just a little bit before to tell her about the situation. I was like, this is crazy. There's these workouts happening. People are going to the hospital. And I remember my mom called me and she's like, Oh, did, did you, did you read Greif's article about it? Like, what did you think? And we were talking about it for like 10 minutes and we both came to the conclusion, like this seems pretty fair and like well-written and like relatively accurate. And then to see Taggart's reaction, like to just, he was like losing his mind in a couple team meetings. Like, man, you can't trust people out here, people out to get you like all this stuff. So like, what was that whole uh, situation like for you? I mean, yeah, it was, I was the information I had, I felt like, you know, obviously I wouldn't have written it if I, you know, didn't believe it wasn't, wasn't told those things. So I felt comfortable to a degree, but I just, just interpersonally, I'd never had a coach, you know, react that way. So, um, it was it, for a couple of weeks, there was pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Cause you were just like, well, what's, what's going to happen when spring ball shows up? You know, I, I wasn't even thinking about fall. We were so far at that point it was January, but it was, I remember I had some people, um, that week, like, you know, mentor type people who were just like, you know, you know, you have to put yourself in his shoes. Like, yeah, the, what he, the way he's reacting maybe isn't uh, <laughs> what you could have anticipated, but as a new coach who's trying to make sure recruits see him in a certain way, like, and I was kind of like, yeah, okay. I can kind of see why maybe he's to this degree upset, but it was pretty uncomfortable, but I, you know, I was, I felt like I stuck it through. Um, and, you know, I had great people like Tyson, honestly, my corner, who I would just talk to a lot. And Dude, all, was, all, all, was, all, yeah. all I had to do was be your hype man. Like, I didn't do shit in that, enti- in that entire thing other than, like, the, the most, like, because I was there when we, because that, did that drop signing day week? No, it was like, but that was, was like but that, January. But that was one of your guys' first interactions in person again was when you and I went to the, in, like, it was signing day that they came up to Portland and you asked Willie the question and uh, was it in the, the convention center lobby or whatever? And 
like you were just to like his left and like oh man like i remember like it was in slow motion like his neck just kind of like slow motion turns over to you and uh i, I forget what you asked him but like those are those are always my favorite media interactions when everyone knows that like the reporter and like the subject are both like in their head like man screw this guy but then they still have to like do like kind of like the professional overtones on top of it i don't remember him looking at me at that at that signing day uh, i asked the question but i honestly don't remember him looking at me um did, did he do a little so, of that like like stare right uh like find, find like a hole like maybe between you and another reporter and like kind of keep his eyes down focused in there yeah, I think so. So, and then, you know, we had, um, he had, he had said something to the student newspaper that he was basically going to freeze me out. And, um, yeah, he did a whole so, media tour basically. Yeah. So, so that was what was confusing. I thought that we, I had a little conversation with him after the signing day thing, like, Hey, like face to face, we talked, it was like, you know, genteel. I mean, I could tell he obviously wasn't so happy, but like it was professional and then kind of took on this different life. And so that's when we had to, um, kind of broker a sit down, I guess, lunch, um, in Eugene, um, which was actually, you know, I don't want to go into the details of it because it's just two people having lunch, but it was, uh, after that, like, I felt like that fall 2017, like I wrote some stories I was really happy about with Willie's involvement. Like I wrote about, um, Jim Tomey, uh, Dick Tomey, I'm sorry, the former Arizona coach who recently uh, passed away, but kind of his impact on Willie and like I got Willie one-on-one for that. We did a podcast with Willie like in the HTC. Yeah, we, we did do that. I forgot about that. So, I mean, honestly, once it came time for like fall, um, I thought that we had a really professional relationship. I mean, but it was, yeah, that was, a, that was an uncomfortable time, but I'm glad, I'm honestly glad to hear that like initially that you thought like, Hey, that's, you know, that's pretty fair. I mean, it's uh I, you know, you never wonder. I got some, I got some mean DMs from people, but it's nothing you can't, nothing you can't live through. Willie to me just seemed like a, a showman, like at all levels, whether it was going like good or bad. Like, you know, you can talk about like the way that the locker room celebrated so, so intensely after wins or even like the shoot, what was the, the, the kickoff uh, swag surfing. I mean, just like everything like had like a little pizzazz to it. So like when things were going to go wrong, like, of course, this guy was going to like throw a whole bunch of fireworks and say, look, this direction. I mean, like we, we saw the same thing happen when when the Florida State rumors started swirling around like and like at that point, like I had actually enjoyed covering Taggart's tenure. Like if anything, it was like interesting. And and so it was like that kind of that cat and mouse situation where like we knew like he's not going to say, say anything to us. And like we also kind of like understood his situation. But like once he kind of started doing like the like you didn't outright say like fake news or anything, but like at some point it just became like, man, like we all know, like, like what, what was the quote? Like, why, why wouldn't I be here? <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was, it was just, it was a fascinating time. Yeah. And uh, something that I found really interesting is, so I actually missed uh, the meeting where Helfrich told us that he got let go. So I think it was, it was like some, some afternoon and I was playing basketball uh, at the rec on campus and we got a text that was kind of cryptic, like, Oh, team meeting, like be here by this time, whatever. And it was called super quickly. So I wasn't there. Um, But I heard it was pretty brutal. And like, you know, he was, he was tearing up and was pretty sad, obviously losing his dream job. But then comparing that to, when Taggart was talking about the Florida state rumors, like he sat us down 
and he told us, okay, I'm going to be transparent with you guys. You're going to be the first to know everything. I have to tell you, this is a dream job for me in my home state. I owe it to myself and my family to answer if Florida State calls. And we were like, okay, you know what? That's, I can respect that. Like, put yourself in his shoes. It's a no brainer. You're going to talk to him. And like, he teared up too. And he was like, I, man, I love being here with you guys. And then, of course, it comes out later that uh, <laughs> he was using the jet and he'd been talking to Florida State for however many weeks at that point. I just think it's such a funny comparison with like, <laughs> their personality is and like Helfrich having that real genuine emotion and like truly caring about the place he's at where as for Taggart, it just seemed very clear. It was a, a stepping stone for him. That was always my, my, when, when Helfrich was fired and this isn't like anything to do with whether he should have been fired or not, but I just thought, okay, this is like an inflection point for the history of Oregon football where, you know, you're never going to have a staff with, you know, people with five assistant coaches with that much experience, like they had on that staff, that's never going to happen ever again. It was already an outlier, but you're never going to have people who are that committed to Oregon as an institution for somebody else. It'll always be a stepping stone job. And that's not a bad thing because pretty much every other job in the country is like that, except for like a couple or like, like you said, like the hometown job for a certain coach is from a certain area, but it was just like, okay, now Oregon is is like everybody else in that regard where they, they can't just um, know that, that their staff and their coaches like literally has a connection to it. That's beyond, you know, the paycheck. Um, so I always thought that was just an interesting moment and, you know, they, they've come out of it just fine with, with crystal ball and what, and all that. But uh, it just, it made, made me think like, okay, that's an era that is now ending that you're going to have these guys who have been committed to this one school for, you know, 30 years or Gary Campbell for 35 years. It's on and on and on. Three three years into this, is it still as cool as I would imagine it would be seeing your byline in the LA Times? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I love it. I mean, it's it's awesome. I love it because we have a really good print like newspaper. You, you know, like, you, you you guys have an insanely good print. Like I love I I follow some of like the designers, and so whenever you guys have like a big sports front coming out, like it's uh, it's funny because I've I now haven't worked for a newspaper for four years, but like, I just still like geek out over that sort of thing. And, um, you know, when, whenever like you or like Jessica will like Instagram, like a picture of like when, when your stuff is in, in print, like it, it still holds that weight, man. I think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think that there's a, when there's a big events, I think it's so cool that our staff and our designers and our editors, like they, they do, they kind of rise to the occasion, like whether it's the Olympics or the Super Bowl or, or, you know, like March Madness when UCLA was there, the like the front pages were like had these these fonts that were like this big, you know, like, you know, 200 point type. And of course, it's not that big, but it, I just feel like they really kind of signal to the reader like this is a big deal. Um, and so, like, I, especially when the Clippers were on the playoff run they had um, in May and June, it was just kind of cool to be on the front page of the sports section every day because you have to realize down here that there's like, you know, how many professional sports teams are there? How many, really like you have, then you add in UCLA and USC, like you have to, your story has to be good to be on the front page of the sports section. Um, so I always, I still geek out of that. I'm, I guess I'm an old soul, like in that, in that regard where I still really enjoy the print product. And I still love seeing it, but I love it. I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's the, the, the coolest thing ever 
um, seeing somebody like Bill Plaschke, who I've grown up reading and watching on TV for the last 25 years or so. And uh, to just see him like tweeting out your stories and say like, great work. I don't know. Like, like that, that's just cool. Like congratulations. And it's, it's, it's certainly well-earned and uh, it, it's fun seeing you um, do really well on the Clippers beat, but uh, it's, it, it's just so funny because of, of how much just like our world here was just like Oregon stuff. And then to to all of a sudden be like like essentially like what's it like covering something for like ten years and then all of a sudden like switching and then having like your whole life revolve around something different? Yeah, I mean, what's funny? I was just thinking about this will be my fourth year covering the Clippers, and I covered the Ducks for five uh, on that beat. Now, of course, I was around it longer because right. I went to college there and I went to work the Register Guard for a long time and on a copy desk, so I was sort of like around Oregon football for a long time, but really as far as like the job goes i've been here you know starting out not a whole lot far behind where i was the oregonian so um i just want to report i'm so glad you brought up the thing about you talking about plashkey like tweeting how cool that is like that's the thing i'll say i the staff here is like the best teammates and not and like i've had the pleasure of having some awesome teammates uh yeah, yourself yeah, included e- yeah easy buddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like like I got a, a message today from a, one of our reporters on the sports desk who like, you know, um, was just like, I can't believe it's our, the NBA season. And like, you guys do a great job on the NBA beat, you know, keep up the great work. I'll be reading. Like he didn't need to send that, but right. stuff like that happens all the time. And you can't, I think that kind of talk, that word culture is thrown out so many times that like, I honestly hate writing it. Um, but it can be a real thing. And I, I really do feel like there's like a lot of, cool teammate um, camaraderie that comes out here that I'm always happy to be part of, especially within our NBA group. I know our NLB group and we have an NFL group, obviously, but I really feel within our NBA group, it's, it's pretty cool. So it's like, we're not playing a team sport anymore, you know, like we were back in the day in high school or whatnot, but there's, there's elements where you really need to lean on people for help. And like, they get, they give it back to you tenfold. Did you see, um, uh, a colleague of yours, a Ben, and I, I'm so sorry if I, is it Ben Bolch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see his uh, Pac-12 um, power rankings for best uh, road trips? No, I didn't. I, I feel like that you would respect this because, I mean, granted, like he's coming from like the LA perspective, so he wants something different, but he had the combo of Moscow, Spokane, or sorry, Spokane, Pullman at number one. Yeah. I mean, and, and granted, we've had some fun times in Spokane. Like, like we, yes. like, like Ken Go got us pretty good and drunk one one year. But uh, I don't know if I would put that up there with like the Boulders and uh, you know the the Palo Altos and um, you know like some of those, some of those other ones. <laughs> That's pretty bold. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I mean, I feel like bad for Aiden. Like when you go out and call these road trips, you're just closer in a hotel. I imagine so. You're not you're not getting any sense of like, Oh, Boulder has a nice restaurant here. Um, but not getting uh, yeah. a real, not getting a real good feel from the river walk before the Alamo bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, well, actually that's probably the one place where you could get a feel cause you're there for so long, right? The bowl trip. Um, but Jesus, that's you, a, you, you had to do that <laughs> two of your three bowl games that you covered. Yeah. I spent way too much time in my life in San Antonio and I like San Antonio, but I just, for covering college football, I didn't need to be there for like 10 days of my life over two different trips. Aiden favorite, favorite Pac-12 road trip. Oh, I mean, it's really just like stadium for me. So I got to go Utah. 
the ooh, ooh I like that the, one. Yeah, the the view of the mountains is awesome. <laughs> the altitude definitely helps for me, especially. <laughs> Um, and then like the two games, the two road games I played there in my career were both awesome. The first one was that, uh, I'm forgetting the final score, but it was the game where Kalen clay dropped the ball right before he got in the end zone. Joe Walker ran it back, um, which was super cool. Uh, that was actually the game I played right as I was getting mono, which was a real bummer, but, uh, like, like as you were getting mono. So I, I started (laughs) feeling sick on that road trip i tell everyone it's like i'm like michael jordan i had my utah flu game yeah but (laughs) yeah i started feeling sick and then um a couple days later after we got back to eugene like my throat was super swollen i didn't know what was going on and i kind of talked to the team doctors a little bit but i was feeling so shitty and i was two hours from portland i was like you know what i'm just going home to see my parents (laughs) And so I, I ended up going to uh, the emergency room because like my throat was getting really, really bad, really swollen. And I found out that night that I had mono and like one of the first things they told me was no contact sports whatsoever for like a month. And I was so unbelievably bummed because we had the Civil War coming up and then the Pac-12 championship after that. So I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine seeing that that Salt Lake game was the same game that Farrell Brown suffered that just gruesome injury that you got a whole lot of sympathy for your mono diagnosis um, while while Farrell was laid up in in a hospital. <laughs> Not quite, you know. I I usually stayed pretty low key in general, and and that definitely continued. Oh man, I, I I'm I'm glad you mentioned the 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 Joe Walker return on that because I just associate that game for the Farrell injury and. That was that was the grossest thing I think I've ever seen in, in person. Yeah, those two games you guys played in Utah in 2014, and I guess it was 2016, right? When Herbert threw that last second touchdown. The, Dylan mean, Mitchell? Two, yeah, just two um, incredible. Darren. No, Darren Carrington. Yeah, right? yeah, no. Carrington. Car- yeah, it was, it was Carrington. Yeah. Carrington. Yeah. It was two of the, of the just most interesting games I can remember covering uh, and just being like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And then the Pharaoh thing. I saw him on TV, an NFL Sunday recently, and I told someone I was with, I was like, that guy almost lost his leg playing college football. And they were like, really? And I sent him a link to an Oregonian story from 2015. Um, but it was like, I just remember being in, almost in shock watching that uh, ambulance drive away from the stadium because we were still in the press box. Aiden. Like we're watching this thing go up toward the mountain range, like where the, the hospital system was there and being like, that's not good. Um, that was dude, a real. Dude, the back, the back of his knee touched the turf. Like the the fact that I I saw him on uh, NFL highlights this weekend, and like he, the fact that like he's not only like just like on a roster, but like still somehow getting better, like is, is r- ridiculous, ridiculous. That was gross, man. I I don't do well with those injuries. Did you like, ever get hurt? Did you ever get hurt? Uh, not really. It's it's a kind of funny story. So. First game of my sophomore year, we played Eastern Washington, and we had like the the swinging gates we would run. And Taylor Alley, who was the holder, always joked with me. He's like, "I'm not going to throw you the ball even if you're open. Horrible idea. I'm not going to do it." And so probably, probably we shifted smart. out. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't blame him. And we shifted out, and you know, usually teams would cover it for the most part, or I wouldn't be any sort of viable option in the play. But like I walked out there 
just casually thinking I'm not going to get the ball. I look over and I'm like, wow, they only have one guy out here. Like we got one on one. We're, we're doing this thing. But I was like, no, I looked back and I kind of had to do a double take, but he threw it to me and I should have had a walk in, but someone just completely missed their guy. (laughs) He just flew in and took out my legs and I got a really bad Charlie horse. And it was so embarrassing because it's like surrounded by all these dudes (laughs) who get their bodies destroyed all season long and like get hit (laughs) so much. And I was like having a hard time kicking in practice the next week before Michigan State. And I was obviously I was going to get through it. But there was a little voice in my head that was like, are you going to be able to play? Like, are are you going to be able to actually play in this game? And I'm, I'm super glad that I felt better by the end of the week. Did you ever like like would they ever like try to like toughen you up in practice or or like get you like get you ready to like take a hit? Because like you like as as we've outlined like you didn't play a hell of a lot of football like coming up like like do do kickers ever get taught how to get like we've all seen like the video of like on the kickoff like the block or the kicker just getting like obliterated like with a block or something like how do like do you know how to take a hit? Uh. Didn't really practice taking hits much. Um, But honestly, like for the most part, getting tackled was not as bad as I expected. Like I just (laughs) had it in my head. It was going to be terrible. But we did do uh, with Jim Radcliffe a fair amount of tackling drills at practice. So like we would hit the sled sometimes. We would like do tackling drills with the specialists, like going against each other. So that was something that I definitely really enjoyed. And for helped for sure when I ended up having to make some tackles my last year. Jim Radcliffe is Oregon's world-class athletic trainer. He's been with the university for decades at this point, and I, I think gets a little overlooked because they they shifted him from from football over to uh, the the rest of the sports when Aaron Feld came in. But I know Andrew worked with uh, Radcliffe when when he was on the track and field team. Like he doesn't do interviews. Like he's a very like like to me he's still like almost like this. Uh, um. I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's like almost like this figment of a personality to me, just cause like you just see him in like in his wraparound sunglasses walking around, like always like put, well put together. Like what's he like? Do either of you guys have like any good Radcliffe stories just that, that, that can like shed, shed a light on the personality of a guy who has some fantastic 90 style YouTube aerobics videos. If you want to go look them up. <laughs> well, uh, I just remember, so I'm a walk on in like September of 2005 and it was like a, you know, the first workout was like a 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. weightlifting at the old Casanova Center weight room. And I remember you showed up and we didn't have any gear. Like I had just what I brought from high school. So I had like a pair of, re- I showed up in like a t shirt, like an Oregon t shirt. So I, I like the bookstore and like, <laughs> like a pair of red Nike shorts and just my sneakers. And like, and he was like, uh, well, it gets you some loner shorts. And so like he bringing out some like green shorts from like some bin and he's like, uh, don't ever wear that color back in here again. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't have been nicer, but it was just like, yeah, we just don't wear red in here. It's just, we just don't wear red. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then he was so nice. We took a picture like my end of my sophomore year when I kind of realized I was probably not going to, there's probably no point in me coming back. Cause I just wasn't progressing and I, I should probably start progressing toward a you know journalism degree um that i took a picture with some other of my teammates my walk-on teammates at hayward field kind of and that's still one of my favorite pictures just because he was such a like he didn't care if you were 
Haloti Nada who would come in and work out in the off season. He would like, like Haloti Nada would be on that station, you know, an all pro guy benching. And then I'd be on the, the clean station next door. And he'd be like, he talked to me the same as he talked to Nada. Um, and I always really respected that, that he, you know, I'm clearly in a different weight class in many ways. Um, and he just never felt like <laughs> he never felt like you were getting a short shrift. And sometimes you did feel that way with coaches. Like you weren't getting the same attention because you were just, Oh, that's that guy. Or, so I always really respected that. And then the f- only funny thing I'd add is I remember one time he was gone during the winter and he, like, he came back after like a few days away and someone was like, where do you, where do you go? And one of the other weight coaches was like South Korea with the army. And we were like, <laughs> and we didn't know if they were pulling our leg or, but we were like, in our mind, we were like, I could see that guy like doing some plyos with some soldiers in like South Korea. We could see him doing some good mornings and some box drills. Like, <laughs> so he was, uh, he was kind of a man of mystery, even to the people who were around him a lot. Yeah. He, he's such a, an amazing guy. And it's really funny. Like I just remember showing up thinking like, okay, first lifting workout D one school. Like you're gonna have some super Jack dude screaming at everybody in the weight room. And he's just obviously the exact opposite of that, but he's, he's almost this like larger than life figure. Like he's just kind of bouncing around everywhere. He walks. Like I remember a couple workouts in, he was like, there was a group in the mezzanine, like warming up to lift. And there was a lift group in action. So he's like down coaching the guys lifting. And then he's like climbing up on top of the cages and watching the group up on the track. And he's just such a funny guy, but he's, he's a guy you want to be around. And to your point, like he truly does treat everyone the same. And you know, there's, there's coaches, like you said, who don't, and most people would understand that to a certain degree, but he, he really gives a lot of time and attention to everyone and, and makes everyone feel like they're uh, an important part of the program, which is definitely huge. Had a super dry sense of humor. He'd show up in the winter dressed in like old jumpsuits that were like some that he had in like the eighties and nineties, like Oregon gear. It was like Adidas gear. Like that's how old it would be. Um, to kind of get like a, you wouldn't even, but he wouldn't say anything. It'd be like super dated and old and you kind of chuckle. He would know it was funny. He wouldn't say anything though. as part of the joke. Like he wouldn't like what he wouldn't say like, Oh, do I look different? You know, like he would just, so he was, I've never met someone honestly, like so precise about what they do than him. How, how much, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out of here on, on this one, but, um, Oregon's in a position that it hasn't been since you were on the beat last. Like what's, what's it like? I, like how much do you pay attention now and how much are you do like do you want to pay attention or like have time to i mean you you have three kids like all under the age of five you are a very you have nba training camp starting up here in like what a month like uh no next week oh shit i'm sorry like, next week I'm, I'm glad we got you in here then but just like like how, how much do you actually find yourself like interested by what's going on like with the with the crystal ball era right now especially since you covered the first season of Mar- did you cover the first season part, part of the first season like the first two two games yeah um i covered the vegas bowl and then like his first two games and then that that previous that fall i mean that following fall then i came down here i mean i still follow i still try to follow coverage fairly closely um i don't get to watch every game because we don't have pac-12 network um so <laughs> it's like i just sometimes i'm like well i guess i'll watch a highlight um yeah 
but I do follow it for sure. Um, there's, there's a lot of people, especially in the NBA who like, like really like college football. So it's sort of an easy conversation starter to talk about that. I met some people who follow Oregon within the NBA. Um, so it's, it's something that I still, not only because it's like some professional, like, Oh, it's, it's just kind of good to keep tabs on. I, I grew up in Oregon. Like I still really enjoy watching Oregon state and Oregon play. Cause I just, I, that's what I grew up doing on Saturday. So it's not I, like something that's left me. I, I, I imagine there's part of you that like, it's almost feels like freeing in the sense of like, um, like I can openly like cheer and like take interest in like when Montana like beats like Washington now. Cause like, I, I'm, I don't cover that school anymore. Like I'm very, very loosely, I very, very loosely follow them. But like, I mean, you were, you lived in Oregon for the first 30, 30 years of your life or so. It's, it's probably nice to like be able to like have that and be able to actually like, I mean, the, the reason we all like sports is just to be able to like commonly, commonly like relate with people about something. I, and I imagine that, um, especially with, uh, the fairly large Southern California, Oregon, Oregon alumni base, it, it, it's probably nice to actually be able to like enjoy it as, as from that perspective. Yeah. It's, it's weird though. Cause I, you know, it's like, it's been several years since I've been covering the team, but I still, you know, I can't say I openly root like, yeah. uh, like, like I did when I was a freshman and sophomore at, you at the university, uh, or growing up as a kid. Cause it's just some things like thaw, take longer to thaw, you know, like just that, that that's why we that didn't have Aiden. Instinct. That's why we didn't have Aiden do the Jonathan Smith podcast <laughs> with me. And, you know, we just, we just had to. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I definitely feel part of that kind of coming back a little bit where it's just like, it's, it's, it's more fun to kind of experience it as a fan, whatever the definition of a fan is, it's more fun to kind of enjoy that and just sort of watch it. And, you know, it's, it's weird though, looking at the roster and being like, I don't know, two thirds of those guys' names. And I was only, you know, it feels like I was just covering that team yesterday. Are, uh, are your kids Dodgers fans? How's that work? Um, I sort of took the attitude of, I'm not, you know, pushing them toward any certain team. Um, but we went to a Dodger game first and our, my oldest, uh, kind of, you know, I think he had, I think he would identify as a Dodger fan. Uh, he really likes Mookie Betts and he really likes that's a, Cody that's Ballinger. A pretty, that's a pretty good pairing to cheer for, I guess. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, I, I keep him apprised of sort of, Oh, Hey, they're, this is happening this week or the, the giants are ahead of them in the standings. Um, and he's got a pretty good mind for that stuff, like standings and, and you know, who's ahead of whom. But, uh, you know, we, went to, we also went to an Angels game a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was kind of a disaster idea with a bunch of kids under the age of uh, five. Because I think I was in my seat for like one Otani at bat. And I was like, <laughs> I think I'm just going to end up watching this game from the concourse in the outfield where they while they run around. Um, I, imagine, but, yeah. I imagine tickets are probably hard to get on like the one day he pitches, right? I think so. That that was trouble. I was trying to figure out what day he would pitch and I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't, it was no, it wasn't going to work out for that day. I was there, but uh, I've heard that. Yeah, it's, it gets harder obviously, but it's still a pretty compared to Dodger game. It's a cheaper ticket to go to angel stadium. So um, people talk about that being maybe like a, a great family spot to go to. I've enjoyed both. So it's just been nice to be able to be like, you know, we have so many different choices, whether you want to go see MLS or, sparks or anything it's uh you know it's all within 45 minutes of us it's just so funny because like half of being a sports fan in portland is just reading stories about teams that aren't really ever going to come here <laughs> 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 like we're not getting a baseball like i want baseball but like that feels like a pipe dream still you know like like it and then meanwhile you have just about everything that you'd want out out your back door so 
enjoy yeah, enjoy that enjoy that good life, Andrew. Aiden just has to you have to you know cheer so much for Grant High School still. You just have to really deep into your get into your passions uh, when you're in a, a market with not as many options. Yeah, the the generals are. I think they're off to a bit of a rough start this season, but we're going to bounce back. <laughs> All right. I, I've been doing a, uh, I, I did a couple of freelance pieces for Scorebook, Scorebook Live coming into the season. And so they asked me to, if I wanted to be a part of their like high school Friday pick them. And so JD Humberg, who who we used to work with, sends me a list of about a hundred freaking game matchups each Friday. I have no, no freaking clue. Like I, I, I haven't even gone onto the website to see how I'm doing in the standings. Cause it's that there's, like there, there's a couple schools that I remember that were good, like when I covered preps maybe like eight years ago. So, uh, you know, still going with my Jesuits and Central Catholics and um, but, you know, just never really believed in Grant. So uh, I just learned there was a new high school. What's the new high school? It was like Nelson. It's out in Happy Valley. Yeah, exactly. First you I'm guys are live there, and you don't even know about it. So, like, dude, I remember seeing that and being like, "Wow, I've been gone a ways now." Like, there's a dude, Happy ha- Happy Valley is blowing up, man. Like our our, our guy Jeff Smith down in, in Oregon City. You know, that's that's the place to be at this. Boy, if if you would if you would have just held on a few more years to your guys' place down in Lentz, uh, you know, you could be the title sponsor of the I five corridor. <laughs> Trust me, we still get Redfin updates uh, on the on the home value, and it's like, dang, we should have held on to it and sold it now, but. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We're here and we're happy to be here. And, and frankly, I'm happy to be here with you too. So this is, this is time well spent. Well, it, it was, uh, I, I was glad that you sent me the text that you were free today. It's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, I'm not going to get all sappy on here, but you're the best coworker that I've worked with. And, and it's been so cool to, to, to watch you, uh, um, succeed on, on the level that you should be. But, uh, uh, you look terrible though. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> bring back down to earth. That's right. Yeah. 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 We can't, we can't go on to here, but, uh, uh, so is it at Andrew J Greif on Twitter or just Andrew Greif Twitter? Just Andrew Greif on Twitter. At and, Andrew Greif. Then, and then it's, uh, the LA times. It's a, it's a small little mom and pop shop. Uh, I, I think they have a sub stack there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, starting next week. It's like, you know, Every day we're back at it. The Clippers are having training camp in San Diego. So we'll be at San Diego State for five days. And then, I mean, it's, that's, a, that's the weird thing. I would say, not to drag this podcast on too long, I suppose, for your audience, who cares what they want to listen to. But they, I just feel like that's a difference <laughs> between covering college football and the NBA. Covering college football, that fall camp was such a grind, right? It's like a whole month where you're trying to think of story ideas and angles and like, how many times can I write about these kickers? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then it's like, in the NBA, <laughs> the one, one preseason I was at, the first game was four days in. This year, it's going to be one weekend, which is, it feels like an eternity, like one week, geez. So it's pretty amazing just the amount of uh, nonstop. Like once it gets going, you just, I forget what day it is. When I walk into a hotel on the road, I take a picture of my room number because I don't, I'm never going to remember it because I'm in too many hotels. So. That's a good. That's a good idea. So it's a it's a grind, but it's a I, good grind. I, I do that with my home address sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> shoot, well, shoot. Uh, thanks for coming on, Andrew. This was great, and uh, um, thanks for letting us probe you about the Willie Arrow a little bit. And uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have you on again uh, during during basketball season, maybe when the Clippers are coming up to face uh, face the Blazers for one of these series. We can maybe, maybe try to do this in, in person. Dude, they play up there two times before December, so we can do this again soon. 
Well, that puts a lot of pressure on us now. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it on the calendar. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really do appreciate it.